You're listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible is Literature. Hi, this is Father Mark Bulos, and you are listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible as Literature podcast. In today's program, Father Paul explains that a prophet is an individual put in their position by God to speak God's words according to his own divine will. I am delighted to introduce Father Paul on the Bible as Literature podcast, Tarazi Tuesdays. Then we hear about... Miriam, in verse 20, the prophetess, the sister of Aaron. She's the sister also of Moses, but here she's introduced as the sister of her elder brother, Aaron. But then it's interesting that the mention of Aaron has another function which fits with the prophetess. Remember earlier when God assigned Moses as the person and told him you are going to be a God unto Aaron who will function as your prophet. So prophet is very tricky. It sounds very powerful to our theological ears. But if you have the scriptural ear, you realize that you cannot be a prophet unless the deity assigns you in this position to speak its, the deity's, own words and will. And that is a setup for Miriam, who later on will hear that, as Aaron did before her, she also betrays her brother Moses. Anyway, I'm jumping here, but... Technically, I'm not jumping. This is a way for me to invite you to keep in mind texts that you had heard earlier, which is very difficult. But Muslims do that. Now, when I said this in Canada once, a Protestant clergyman didn't like that, and his reaction was, but they can do that because the Quran is a very small book compared to our Bible. Now, only a Christian would do that. A Jew would not even dare do that. Because for the Jew, Tanakh is the scripture, big or medium or small, it doesn't matter. You have to memorize it as much as possible. And obviously, you're not used to that, but it's very good, for instance, to take notes when you're reading a text because you're not hearing it reading. But just notice that Miriam, it's not that Miriam, the sister of Aaron. You have to put a note in your notes that she was presented as prophetess and keep this in mind. And then Miriam also sang to them and it's a repetition of the same thing we heard earlier where we hear again, which is translated triumphant gloriously, but I made 
my comment on that. And then we start here until the end of chapter 18, the so-called trek through the wilderness. But the first story on this trek, it is very interesting, which is negative to show you that the people already were prone to not accepting the will of God. Let's hear it. It's an interesting passage. Then Moses led Israel onward from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness of Shur. They went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Notice the number three, I keep repeating, it is one, two, three. They went a maximum distance without water. That's not good news. So when they came to Mara, they could not drink the water of Mara because it was bitter. Now, for you as an English hearer, oh, at Mara, the water happened to be bitter on that day. That's not the point because the one who knows Hebrew is hearing the word bitter in the name Mara. And you could see how the author says, therefore it was named Mara. And you have the same approach that you heard time and again in the book of Genesis especially with the passages relating to the children of Jacob. You have a name, and then the author says, because, which means names have meanings, and that's very, very, very hard for Europeans and North Americans to comprehend. Because it may happen here and there. I mean, if you know Latin and you hear Victor, you understand what it means. But in Arabic, it's all the time like that. That's why technically we do not have what is called proper nouns and common nouns. You have just a noun and it means what it means. And you call your children accordingly. They cried unto the Lord, and you know the story. He threw the tree into the water or a piece of wood, however you want to translate it, and the water became sweet. There the Lord made for them a statute and an ordinance, and there he proved them tested them, which is interesting. What statute and ordinance is making? You hear it in 26. If you will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God and do that which is right in his eyes. Remember Genesis chapter 2, not what is right. It has to be right in the eyes of God and give heed to his commandments, and keep all his statutes. And that's tricky, because you say perhaps he's going to give us just three or four statutes, and you're stuck with the four books from Exodus to Deuteronomy, where you're going to hear a ton of statutes. If you do that, I will put none of the diseases upon you, which I put upon the Egyptians, 
because I'm the Lord, very interestingly, your healer. You're going to hear this at the end of Ezekiel, Ezekiel, the trees with leaves of healing that the author of Revelation uses to speak about your healing from your predicament. So notice that God smote Egypt does not mean that he cannot smite also Israel with the same. Why? Because you hear, because God loves us. And then you're going to conclude, thus he hates the others. And that is the trouble with classical theology. When something bad happens to us, we are all in tears. When something bad happens to our enemies, we rejoice. That's not the way of scripture. And we're going to make it a text soon, very powerful, where you are pressured to take care of the animal of your enemy if that animal is in dire straits. It's unbelievable. You do not choose. You just obey. But you know us, especially Christians, we choose the commandments you like to obey. And thus, at mind and heart, we are like the teenagers. When the mother says, how come you're not obeying me today? Well, yesterday I obeyed you on another matter. That should be enough for you, mom. It doesn't work like that. And then verse 27, I have another opportunity to comment on a word that means something, but not in English. Then they came to Elim. For you, it's like Google Maps, where you had Mara and then Elim. And I love the maps of Sunday schools and even of theology that like to draw the scriptural map, the map of the scriptural areas that's not what scripture is interested in all these names are fabricated to have a function in the text elim is the plural of a word that means either or that's the funny thing but also important but I don't want to go into these asides uh, I may have commented on that in Genesis, where it means a large tree, more specifically an oak, which reflects power. And also it means ram, which again expresses power. And the interesting thing is that it is El, but with the Yod between the Aleph and the Lamed. In Arabic, we have Ail for the Ram. But to the ear, it sounds as El, which is God, and it's plural Elim, which is the gods. Meaning that you have the connotation of power. Is this intended by the author or not? 
from now on, I'm going to leave it to you so long as you remember what I just taught you. So always in the Bible, you have to begin, it may well be intended. And then when you get to the level of Father Paul, you know that it is always intended. But one more time, if you do not know Hebrew, how are you going to make this connection? Elim is just on the Google map. And I bet you, you may find it there. Because Google started in the NATO Christian countries. So most probably you have Elim. Try it, Father Mark, and let me know. And then you could see the connection with the wilderness and thus the oasis through the mention of the palm trees. And I commented on that. The word Tamar, like the name of these two women. The daughter of David. And then in the book of Genesis, we still have it in Arabic. Tamr means dates, palm trees. And these are the trees. It's not just another fruit tree. I love palms and I go and buy them in the Middle Eastern shop. No! Palm trees are the main trees of the oasis. Make a note of that, O you my hearer. And they encamped there by the water. So the shepherd God is leading them through the wilderness and you got it from oasis to oasis as a shepherd does. The Bible as Literature is a production of the Ephesus School Network.